0: Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way.
1: I am so glad that at least for this time, you have called this your place to belong. We've been talking about our place to belong for many weeks now. Apparently, according to some on my staff, too many weeks, it's time to change, but we're getting to that next week. we got one more week to talk about this place to belong, and remember what we said. It's not a building, or it's not a day of the week, or a certain time on that day of the week that we're talking about, but rather the family of God. And if we're saying that this is our place to belong, we talked about about it being a place where we fit in, a place where we belong, a place where we feel comfortable, a place where we feel safe. Today we're going to talk about something that I think is is key to all of that in just a minute, but as we talk about our place to belong, just as I just said, this, this is not about a building or an address or a location, even a time of the week. Sometimes that place to belong changes, and that's the case for one of our dear members who we all love Barbelle, this is her last Sunday with. Us. Well, that sounded pretty ominous. I didn't mean to say it that way. This, this is her. This is her last Sunday uh, worshiping with us before she heads off, and she'll be living with uh, with her kids up in Georgia. Uh, I know how, how crazy is that that you would move north from Florida, but some people do that, and we're excited for you, Barb. We're excited for your new adventure. This is a brand new chapter. You're, I, I think it's. I think it's fantastic. You're, you're going for it. She said she's not going to get a red uh, convertible to drive up there. She's just going to settle in and enjoy her time. So we want to bless you. We'll be praying for you. Of course, we will miss you. I know your family here will miss you, obviously, as well. But we are excited for you as you find your place to belong up there in Georgia. God bless you. We're glad you're here. In fact, Barb, wave just for a second. Yeah, okay. Y'all, uh, as you're heading now, as you're heading to coffee, heading to your belong group afterwards, you may want to come by and get get another hug from Barb. I'm sure she'll come back and visit. It's not the last time we're going to see you, Barb, but, but it's still good. We want to celebrate that. She's been such a, an integral part of our church family for so many years, along with her whole family. So we want to love on you well before you head north. God bless you. Well, this week I got mail. How, how many of you guys still get mail? You know, not, not many people get mail nowadays, but this wasn't just mail. This is like a real letter, a real card. I mean, I mean, look at it. written Written in ink, by hand. You know, now for you folks under forty or so, this is what we used to do in the old days. We would, with actual made out of paper. In fact, when we're through today, I'm sitting it up to the Smithsonian. They're going to frame it. Yeah, you know, we don't we don't get these very often. It's special. It, it, my aunt Louise, she's ninety four years old. She's uh, was in Miami like all of us, and she she moved up to Plantation because that's where fine folk from Miami who didn't want the craziness moved to to settle down. It was quieter there, and she still writes letters, keeping me up to date. She doesn't forget a thing. She asked about all of our kids and what we're doing. She asked about you. And in case you're wondering, yes, I already answered her letter. And I sent her some more pictures and some more news from our family. But this is special to me. This is incredibly special. Why do you think it's special? Because it came from my Aunt Louise family, someone who knows me, cares about me, writes about me, and writes directly to me. The deal is, I get all kinds of mail every single day. Mail comes to my home, mail comes here to the church. The difference is, it's addressed to dear occupant, dear current resident, dear American who cares about Dear future client who's going to buy all kinds of junk from us. This is, this is the kind of mail that I get every single day. What's the difference between a letter from my Aunt Louise and all this other mail that I get every day? It's personal. It's written with love. It's well, sometimes it's from my Aunt Louise, not so much. But yeah, sometimes it's confidential, Jimmy. But it's written to me personally. Here's the deal. We got another word. Written to us. Every chapter, every verse, every word was written with you in mind. With me in mind. Nowhere in here do you read dear occupant. Not once do you read the words dear current resident. Not once to say, all oh, y'all folks to show up on Sunday morning. It is written, it is intended. How many of you have ever been in a church service and you're sitting there with 100 or 200 or 1,000 folks and whatever the preachers saying, you're like, oh my goodness, he is speaking right to me. How many of you guys have ever thrown open your Bible on on a morning when you're having your quiet time and you say, Lord, what do you have for me today? You read a passage, you say, oh my goodness, Lord, that's exactly where I am. That's exactly what I needed to hear. That's exactly the word I needed from you to move forward in my life and in my walk with you. That's what the Bible does. Six out of ten Americans, not not church folks, I'm talking about six out of ten Americans believe that this book is true and that it is written by God. I know, I was surprised by that stat as well. Here's the other half. Less, Less than two out of ten read it regularly. What are they saying? Yes, it's important. Yes, it's true. Yes, it's helpful. All the answers to all of my questions and life questions are found in here, but I don't have time to read it. I'm just too busy. Too busy, they say. They they got time to read other things, you know, favorite novels, uh, sports stats they know inside and out, all that political conspiracy conspiracy, crapola that comes through facebook they got time to read every bit of that if they're on a diet they read every single ingredient and every single bit of dietary food and we got time to read and dig into and study and know all kinds of stuff but the one thing that could change our life give our life direction and help us understand why we are even here we don't have time to read Why? why even take the time pastor's going to explain it to me anyways Why even take the time to read it? What if I get something wrong? What if I misunderstand it and head off in a completely wrong direction? Here's the deal, folks. This isn't a book of of directions, a, a manual for life. Too many of us look at it and say, That is so complicated. That is so intense. It's, it's from like another culture. It's almost like, you know, I kind of want to check it off at, like at the end of one of these terms and conditions when you sign up for a new app on your phone. You just want to hit check, yes, accept, and be done with it. But that's not what the Bible's about. If we're discovering our place to belong, the Bible is not just a part of that, the Bible is the actual foundation of that. God's Word. We know God, we understand God, we love God through his word. So let's dig into a passage that helps us understand how important God's word is to our place to belong, no matter where that is. If you have your Bible, open up to the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter. uh, Pastor Philip was right. We're in the book of Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's the fifth book. Some of you old Bible scholars will remember these first five books of the Bible were called uh, the... The, the books of Moses, you may have heard that, or the, the, the old word is the Pentateuch. Pinta means five, tuch is book, the five books. Well, this is the last one, so we're getting near the end of that, that original story with, with Genesis and Moses and the people of God, and this is what we're going to read. Uh, open up to Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, look at verse number 15 first. We need to understand that before anything else, we need to make a choice, Chapter 30, verse 15 says this. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, but also death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and keep his commands, keep his decrees, and keep his laws then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are now about to possess. So let me give you a little bit of the backstory to that, and then we'll kind of dig into the passage. Uh, As I just said, this is the very end of those first five books of the Bible, but also the five books of Moses. So this is pretty much a story of Moses towards the end, leading the people out of Egypt and into the promised land on the way they get stuck in the desert in fact all of you senior adults that that come on thursday morning we're walking through the book of exodus you know exactly what i'm talking about they're coming to the very end of that and this actually these lines come from the very last sermon that moses ever preaches to his people they're about to enter the promised land god's already told him that he cannot enter not because of his sin, but because of the sin of the people that, that were under his control. And so God says, okay, we're going to make a cut here. Not only you, Moses, but anyone who was over 20 years of age, back when this great sin happened, you, you need to come to my senior adult Bible study. We're studying the book of Exodus. I'll tell you all about that sin. We don't have time right now. But but after that happened, it broke covenant with God. And so he said, okay, anyone over the age of 20, you're Well, there's no easy way to say it. You're going to drop like flies in the desert until we get to the promised land. Because when we go into the promised land, we're going to start fresh. A new leader and and a new generation. So, So this is that new generation. The problem with this generation is this. They weren't around to see the great miracles, the great acts, the mighty acts of God. They did not see the sea part and the people of God walk through on dry land. They had not seen the, the pillars of smoke and the, the pillars of uh, fire. They did not see Moses strike the rock and water come out. They had not seen many of these things. So their faith was the faith of their fathers. Their faith was the faith of their grandparents. Sure, they had heard the stories. Yeah, they had heard the 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 anecdotes and the and the illustrations and the and the memories of the last generation, well, before they dropped in the desert, but but that wasn't real to them. And so Moses said, Okay, guys, listen up. I need to send you out. This is about to get real. Pay attention. And he divides it into two groups. He said, First of all, there's life and prosperity, and there's death and disaster. Let's talk about that for a second. The word life means just like you would imagine, a flowing, a blooming, a blossoming green, good so far. And it even means prosperity, which is, of course, good and pleasant, but, but the, the Bible word actually means fat, you know, to be fat with life, fat with joy, fat with expectation, fat with hope. I mean, some of you guys are, are nappers, especially, there's nothing sweeter than a Sunday afternoon nap. In my house, there's different kinds of naps. You got just resting my eyes kind of nap. You got, well, a little nap, and then you got a fat nap. Every once in a while, about once a year, I'll get in a fat nap. That's like, that's like put on your pajamas, crawl under the blankets, two hours, you're out. That's a fat nap. You know, where you get your first job, you, you put in some extra hours at work, maybe it's the holidays, whatever. You get that next paycheck, that's a fat paycheck. It's not the normal. It's over, and it's above. This is what God is promising those who follow his word. But then on the other side, it is, it is about as opposite as you can get. In fact, the word death uh, doesn't just mean death. It means decaying, rotting. It's often the word used for hell. So, so you either get life and blooming and blossoming and fat and, and sweet. In fact, the word often means delicious. You get this delicious, sweet, fat life, or you're dying, you're dead, you're rotting and you're decaying. There is no middle ground. God is trying to make it as clear as possible. There is no gray. There is either either good or bad. Here's the problem. They, like you and me, we don't like uh, decisions. We love the gray. We love the middle ground. We love the wiggle room it allows us to have. Our, our, our society out there is what we call the, the postmodern society. The postmodern society has decided there are no longer any more moral absolutes. There used to be a right thing and a wrong thing, a good thing and a bad thing, a good thing and an evil thing. Well, now it's all relative. What is good for you is good for you. What is good for me is good for me. If it's good for me, that's all that matters. There's no more moral absolutes. They love the gray area. And so counter this, God, God puts things in a very proper order here. Uh, well, Let me read the passage one more time. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands. There's three steps there that God commands us to do in, in keeping this separate, in understanding the decision that we're making. In our place to belong, it is a very clear decision. We don't, we don't, we don't coast in. We don't gray area and hang out in the middle as the tide goes and what, what culture is saying and what, what's okay outside is also okay inside. No, God says you must decide because the primary purpose of the Bible is not this, some kind of list of demands from us, but much more it is the glorious good news of what God has done for us It is not an assignment to read your Bible, something we need to check off so that we can somehow appease the heavenly father so he will give us all of the things on our wish list, I mean, excuse me, prayer list. And it is not an owner's manual or a book of directions on how to fix my husband, how to fix my children, how to fix my marriage, how to fix my church. If it was only that, If it was only an owner's manual, if it was only a a book of directions on, on how to fix things that are broken, then as soon as we get to the hard stuff, like, and God smote the entire village... Or, or all those dry things like the genealogies or, 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 or the, the, how many cubits long the Noah's Ark was. When we get to those things, we would lose track and lose energy. God is reminding us, he's, he's asking us to connect to the law maker, the law giver, and not to the law itself. In fact, of those three steps that he just asked us to make to love him, to model our lives after him and to follow his law. The first two have to do with our relationship to God. Loving God is that, is that, that Hebrew word. And remember, it's different than the, the Greek word. It's a Hebrew word that means to turn our affections to. That's a beautiful, beautiful word. You, you, you remember, well, I assume you remember that first time you saw her, that first time you saw him. You're, I don't know if it was affections or hormones, but, but something was, was going off. Something was exploding inside of you. Everything in you said, I want to be right next to him, right next to her. I want to be holding his hand, her hand, I want to be kissing those. Everything inside of you is saying, I want that. Well, this, this is like that, but even deeper. The Bible says it is turning your affections towards. Here's the deal. As we as we read God's word, as we get to not no, not not not, not the word itself, but the author of the word. We fall in love with him. Our affections turn from the world, from our own activities, from our own wants, from our own desires, from all the things that we are involved in, where our affections are already foundationally mounted to. They turn from that and turn back to God. And that's where we know we're in love. Here's the deal. The the end of Bible study, the end of Bible reading is not more knowledge, the end of Bible reading, whether it's in the morning by yourself or here when we're together on a Sunday morning or, or in your belong group, the end should be worship. And, and, and your affections turned even stronger to God and then it says to, to walk in his ways, to model him, that he would be your, your, your role model, he would be your hero, to emulate him. They say that, that uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Today In today's uh, culture, young people the, 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 the greatest success is for those that create new or original content. It doesn't have to be much, really just 30 seconds in a video, and then it goes viral. And then, then you're famous, and people start paying you to make more original content. When I was a teenager, that wasn't a thing. No one thought teenagers were smart back then, and so we didn't create our own original content. We copied others. My age, and I'm going to date myself here, and in my teenage years, it was Steve Martin, Steve Martin, my buddy Steve Barenfeld, uh, he and I, we were best buddies. And so we had Steve Martin albums. You remember albums? Yeah, they're, they're made out of vinyl. And so, so you could, if you wanted to rewind, you just literally picked up the needle and set it back. We would listen to those things over and over and over. We'd practice it back and forth. We were two wild and crazy guys. You remember that, yeah? And we were memorizing. We'd go to school, you know, eighth, ninth grade, kind of quoting this stuff, and you know, everyone thought it was hilarious. Not because we had invented anything. All we did was we had become good imitators. Well. We become okay imitators of Steve Martin. That's what God is calling us to do, to be an imitator of him. As we fall in love with him, as we imitate him, it is a choice. Secondly, it's also an understanding. Let's go back to these people that we're talking about. Remember, I I said this, that that Moses had had led the people about 40 years up up to this point. They're about to enter into the promised land, just like God had promised. But God had said, listen, because of your sin, the sins of your parents, I'm not going to allow them to enter. Only the new generation. So the new generation, they don't have the same connection, the same ties to God or his word that the parents or grandparents had. So he's ha- Moses, he's having to speak into them and encourage them. L- listen to what they're saying. Uh, look at verse uh, 15. See, I set before you life and prosperity, death and destruction, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience. Oops, sorry. Uh-huh. Sorry, verse 11, excuse me. Verse 11. Now what I'm commanding you today, yes, that's right. What I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we might obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is already in your mouth. It is already in your heart so that you may obey it. God is talking to this people that think, you know, they've thrown up their hands. This is too difficult. This is too complicated. God's word and and following God like our parents, our grandparents did, that that sounds almost otherworldly to us. It's it's too high as if it's up in heaven or it's too far away as if it's another country, another culture, another place. It's it's all Greek to me, they might have said. I remember as, as missionaries, uh, as you can imagine, we travel to other countries and not just travel like you would on vacation, but we, we go to a new country and we, we invest, we plant our lives, we put down roots, and we begin to learn that culture all at the same time, not losing our past culture, our home culture. We become kind of a third culture. We're not really Spanish, we're not really Americans. So we're kind of somewhere in the middle, but we try our hardest to fit in so that we have the opportunity to share the gospel in a culturally sensitive way. So you can imagine that's a a bit of a learning process. I remember in Germany we, uh, we were having our very first Christmas service and I know that Advent is a really big deal in Germany and I didn't really know much about Advent in those days. So I looked it up and it seems that candles were very important at Advent. So I said, okay, babe, we're gonna need a lot of candles. She said, what kind? I said, I don't know. I'll go see what they have. And so I went to the store and they had all of these candles on sale. This one particular kind, maybe you've seen them in in like a red or a white cup and the candles down at the bottom and and they look beautiful. Now some had a little picture of Mary on the outside. I avoided those, but, but the other ones, they were all on sale. I'm like, babe, this is great. I bought dozens of them. I brought him into church, a little church building we were renting at the time. I set them all up. And so early on that first Advent morning, I got to church early. I lit all of these candles. I was so excited. I thought, this is wonderful. Just what my German believers are going to love. As they walk in, you could hear an audible gasp. <laughs> what have you done, pastor? It turns out there's another holiday in Germany just before Christmas. The first weekend of November, it's a holiday when you go out to the grave of your past parents and grandparents and you clean up the graves and you set one of these special candles on top of the grave to commemorate death and dying. (laughs) In December, these were all on sale because they're not going to need them again until next November. And here comes the American in and buys all they got left (laughs) and decorates his church for Christmas. My wife can beat me, though. She was in a, it was in Spain. She, were in a, she was in a grocery store with her language teacher, and they were practicing shopping, well, learning shopping words. And so the, the, the teacher was further down the aisle, and she turns around and calls out to Chanel. Hey, Chanel, should I, in Spanish, should I grab you a couple chickens? And Chanel answers back in her best Spanish, forgetting that she was not saying the Spanish word for chicken, she was saying the German word for uh, turkey, rather. She said, no, no, instead grab me, she wanted to say two turkeys, but what came out in Spanish was, no, no, grab me a couple prostitutes instead. (laughs) I don't know which is worse, but here's the deal. When you don't know a culture, you don't fit in. How are you going to fit in a culture if you don't know it? So these people are saying exactly that. They're saying, God, this is not my culture. It was a culture of my parents or my grandparents. How are we supposed to enter this new land? We don't know you. We don't know your word. We don't even know how to dig into it. When we look at the Bible, it sounds otherworldly to us. It's a different language. It's a different culture. How are we supposed to jump in? As we study the Bible, the goal is not only to grow in knowledge. Of course, we, we want to grow in our knowledge and our, our wisdom, our understanding. There are facts to learn. There is there's doctrine to learn. We read the original text. We, we listen to podcasts. We, we look at commentaries. But the point of reading God's word is not to fill our head alone with knowledge, but to fill our hearts with awe and with wonder. God is calling us to be blown away by God's goodness by God's love, by God's compassion. Because love and obedience on our part is the natural response to the goodness, the love, and the compassion that we find when we read God's word. This is not just a a, a practical applicable word. We're not reading the Bible to find five steps to improve our marriage, Uh, six steps for a happier new you. While the Bible is practical, while the Bible does have much wisdom and insight in everyday life, that is not the purpose. The goal of reading God's word is awe and wonder and adoration. And then finally, the Bible, in reading God's word, it is also a lifestyle also a lifestyle. As we read God's Word alone at home in our quiet times, uh, we we, we read God's Word. As we come together on on a Saturday evening or a Sunday morning or online, we, we hear God's Word being taught or being preached. But there's an excellent way, in fact, some would argue the best way to really dig in and understand God's word the best is we do that in a group. That's when we study God's word. That's when we pull God's word apart. That's when we question and we ask and we hear and we, we involve others in that process. We call that process a, a belong group. You might know the word Sunday school or small group or Bible study, but this is key in our understanding of who God is and, and why he's created us and understanding his word. In a small group, we do this, but, but let me tell you a couple of things. A small group is not. A belong group is not. And then I'm going to invite a couple people to come up here and explain what a small group is, okay? What, what it's not is this. Number one, it's not just some kind of self-help uh, Personal lifestyle improvement class because if it were only that, now some of it is obviously. We we have divorce care, we have cancer care, we have grief share. We have uh, changes that heal. We have other groups that help us work through problems and issues in our life. But if it's only that, the problem is we'll only attend when it's convenient for us. We'll only participate when it speaks to a felt need. We'll only stay as long as the teaching is good. And we'll only go back as long as there's people there that I really connect with. God wants it to be even more than that. And this is what he's saying is also, it's not a lifestyle adjustment. Now, here's a problem for many of us that grew up in the church. If you grew up in the church, you are probably, like me, a, a world champion church activity participant. I mean, if it's happening at church, if the doors are open, you feel compelled to be there. And if you're not there, you're at home feeling guilty that you're not there. Now, not all generations have that same hang-up, and we're not all wired the same way. But but the problem is, these folks that that believe that a a small group, a belong group, is just a, a lifestyle adjustment, they will force that hour into their weekly schedule at all costs. It will be forceful. It'll be difficult. It will cost them a lot. They're working. Their spouse is working. Their kids are all involved in school, after sports activities, already going to youth group. And on top of all that, I'm going to cram it in, by golly, because that's what you do. Well, folks that are wired that way, they'll probably somehow make it happen. Folks that are not wired that way don't have that guilt trip passed on from generation to generation. They probably won't participate. And even those that do There's no real life change from that. There's just a commitment to follow through, either out of tradition or out of guilt. But what is a life group? Uh, Actually, let me ask Rob and Loretta to come on up. And Matt, if you'd bring that. I'm going to interview these folks because they're going to give us a live example. Uh, Right in the middle, if you don't mind. I want to make sure our folks online see them. And I'm looking for the blue. No. No. Ah, Jacob, would you mind bringing your blue? Thank you, brother. I'm sorry. I thought it was up here. Appreciate that, my brother. There you go, guys. All right, just real quick so you guys know Rob and Loretta. Rob and Loretta are not from around these parts. They're from Canada. They look just like us, don't they, right? <laughs> Canadians love it when you say that. Canada's just like America. They love that, so you could probably tell them that later. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. No, no, Canada's a beautiful, humongous, gorgeous country full of all kinds of incredible things to see, visit, and eat, and eat, but is also, if I may, uh, a, a relatively godless place. It is not normal that folks attend any kind of a church in, in Canada. These folks grew up there, and, and they're seeing God do something totally different, move in a completely different direction, and in, in large part due to a small group Bible study or more that they're a part of. So I've asked them to come up, and I'm just going to kind of interview them. I have a couple of questions that, that I've prepared that I want them to help us understand how God's working in their lives in a place that is uh, even, even further down the postmodern post-Christian scale than we are here in Cape Coral. All right, so just real quickly, give us a little background on on kind of the spiritual temperature or situation in Canada right now. Please.
2: Uh, So Canada is, I would describe as uh, grim or bleak. Um, There's at least uh, two or three generations that have had no uh, training of God or the Bible. Uh, The churches are closing uh, just simply because there's not enough people going. Can't pay the bills, can't keep the places open.
3: In our national anthem, it says, God keep our land glorious and free. Many, many Canadians are wanting that removed, the word God, and they want we put in. We keep our land glorious and free. Politicians, school boards, women's group, LGBTQ groups, they want to remove God from Canada. They're gaining ground quickly as laws are being passed that are stopping Christian values. These laws attack the family unit, marriage, parent-child relationships, unborn children. Uh, The city that we live in in the last five years has had a crazy amount of teenage suicide We also have mental illness with all ages and high drug abuse. Well, in the midst
1: of all that kind of culture, some people would say, okay, it's too late. We've lost the battle. Let's hunker down and, and just love on, protect, and encourage those few believers that are left. But that's not at all what you guys have done. Tell us, why did you decide to start a Bible study in your home?
3: Um, In, of course, March of 2020, COVID hit Canada, as well the world, and churches were told to close. They could not be opened, and so we decided in June we couldn't stand it anymore. We had to gather with other believers because uh, just the fear that was going on, so many people needed support. So we opened our home to anyone who wanted to come to study God's word, to sing, and to pray together, and this started with seven families meeting and it has grown crazy with people who are not believers wanting to come and asking, like, searching for answers and asking us to help them figure out what's going on in the world.
2: Uh, additionally to that, our youngest son, Devin, uh, started a men's Bible study. Uh, he does this on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. <clears throat> uh, he was having all sorts of discussions with uh, with uh, young men or, say, 20 to to 50, say, about God uh, and their fear and what men needed to do, so he just asked them to come and study the Bible with them, um, and they were very interested, and in, surprisingly,
1: currently there's 29 men involved. <laughs> Wait, say that again. In Canada, 29 men involved in Canada in a Bible study, in a home. That uh, a large portion of them have never even opened a Bible. Wow.
2: Wow, fantastic. Um, one guy in particular, his name is Kyle. I've known him for quite a few years. He's a young guy. We're in his mid-20s. Um, he's coming, uh, which surprised me. Uh, anyways, just recently I had a conversation. He had a, a scan had revealed that he had a bad hiata hernia that was obstructing his entrance to his stomach. Uh, He said things were tough, I went under a month on a liquid diet. He was told that he would not be able to speak to a surgeon until April. Uh, As soon as 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 I opened my heart to God about it and returned to Bible study, things started improving immediately. Wow. I'm positive that your prayers were heard. I'm never surprised by the miracles God enacts on us, but I'm feeling more grateful for his mercy than ever. Uh, Last night's study was even more enlightening than usual. When I truly listened to God, what he was doing with my heart, overcoming temptation, started, started to become easy as breathing. Wow, fantastic. The more I listened, the more I healed uh, with his strength. The pain began to dissipate. Food started staying down more day by day. Had a professor suddenly request uh, us all to read the Bible and study the word of God. And that was just complete random fantastic um, he, he said life has been good and I'm truly
1: humbled by God's strength amen well, let me ask you guys one more question uh, how, how has this study of God's word not only impacted you or you guys as a family but even, even your community there that, that kind of Bible study idea
2: well men are being saved amen um, one has been baptized in a pool <laughs> in Canada <laughs> <laughs> Uh they're saying, hey, I heard about this Bible study. Can I come? We're seeing eyes being opened with spiritual things. And also, out of the 29 guys, some of them, all, not all come. Uh, there's four or five that just view online. Uh, one of the people that views online is from about five hours away. Uh, he started his own Bible study. Now.
1: Fantastic. Wow. <laughs>
3: Uh, we are having all these opportunities to show God's love. Uh, we have non-believers asking us to pray for their situations, which is just fabulous. Um, we've been able to give money to needy families. We've given food. We, and I just want to tell you this one story about a man named Darren. In January of 2021, Darren had a terrible tragedy in his life. Um, he was heartbroken and devastated. Uh, he was working out at the gym where our oldest son, Justin, works out, and they started talking. And Justin asked him, hey, why don't you come to this gathering that we're having on Sunday? You might find some peace. So Darren is this 53-year-old man who has never gone to church in his life. He shows up, and he keeps coming. Um, Because of this tragedy, he was given custody of his five-month-old granddaughter. And so no one in his family, none of his friends even thought to have him a baby shower. But the family of God... We thought about that. And we gave him a baby shower. And we just loved on him. And three weeks ago, he gave his life to Jesus Christ.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're seeing changes in people's behaviors. Uh, Knowledge uh, is being learned from the Bible. Uh, It's breaking the chains in people's lives. Uh, Chains of depression, pornography, anger selfishness, suicidal thoughts.
3: It has just shown me how powerful God is, um, that his word is alive, and it changes people's lives. And I just wanted to read this verse from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It just judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And God has just really shown us how we can further his kingdom. And it was simply by opening up our house.
1: Amen. Amen. (laughs) Hang on for just one second. Now, uh, just before we end, y'all sit down. Give us a little background. Uh, How much Bible school and seminary have you guys finished already? (laughs) Now, I know what you do. (laughs) Uh, um, What what do you do for a living? Machinist? What do you do for a living? That sounds nothing like preaching in Bible school. So, what you're telling me is that God uses normal people to start Bible studies. Wink, wink. How interesting. Wink, wink. That's good. Thank you. Now you can sit down. Folks, why don't, we, why don't we just go ahead and, and close? There's, there's more I was going to share. I'll save that for another day. I just think that seeing uh, what we're talking about in God's word being lived out in a place that if you can imagine is even more godless in, than some of the neighborhoods we live in here uh, that is encouraging to me that God's word is true, it is powerful, it changes lives. I mean, those names, you will not soon forget, Darren and Kyle, and, and 29, I mean, I, I would give my right arm for 29 guys here, but can you imagine 29 guys in Canada, a country that's walked away, run away from God and from his word, and yet God is moving powerfully because two normal folks, well, they're Canadians, they're pretty normal folks, <laughs> open their home and said, Yes, Lord, you can use us. You can use our home. You can use our, our abilities, what you've taught me uh, up to this point, God. I will invest that in the lives of those around me. This is what we're talking about. We're not talking about a one hour. In fact, if there's anything you understand about what a, what a real missional, like what we're talking about, or a relational small group, belong group looks like, it's not about that one hour that those folks are sitting in a, in a living room together. It's about the other 167 hours during that week when they're relating to each other, they're texting each other, they're visiting each other, throwing each other baby showers, they're helping each other, they're They're helping each other move all of that, doing life together, growing in wisdom and understanding, of course, in God's word, but understanding what it means to be a child of God. That is what real Bible study looks like. That is where we as a church are going. If you're interested in either starting a group like that, being a part of a group like that, Pastor Chuck is right he may be getting ready for his belong group. Yeah, I think he did. Well, Nivea is right there. I know you can see Nivea and Pastor Chuck. Please see them or see me. We would love to get you signed up. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, of course. That's all we need is your word. But when you bless us enough to show us how your word is being lived out today in real time, God, that is a special blessing. So Father, we, we, we bless those groups that are meeting in Canada In Woodstock, we bless those young men that are coming to faith, but Father, we also bless the small groups, belong groups, the Bible study groups that are happening right here in Cape Coral, in this building during the week, and in homes during the week, God, we bless those, but God, we ask for more. We're, we're hungry for more real life, real time stories of how your word is becoming real in the lives of people. Brand new believers, uh, mature believers. God, we long to see how you're moving. Please, God, renew that hunger in our spirits for your word. Renew that hunger in our spirits for the study of your word. Thank you, Jesus, that it's not just about your word. It's about you who wrote the word. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapechoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapechoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.